0: Part four chapter three of Better Angel by Richard Meeker. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Better Angel by Richard Meeker. Part four chapter three from the time their car entered the gothic arch and rounded the curve of elms that let through a glimpse of its truncated gothic tower. Kurt liked the Brookway School. It was an amazing place to find set down here in the rolling hills of Connecticut. Less than a year old, the buildings had been so carefully designed and so skillfully aged that they seemed, like buildings he had seen in England, to have grown from the soil, with the elms and the oaks and the maples. The headmaster, Dr. Leffington, was an Oxonian who had been chosen because his ideas were sympathetic with those of the founder of the school the idea of the donor you see gentlemen he explained was to provide a school where boys might develop their originality their individuality i am an etonian myself and i recognize the evils possible in that sort of school our aim here then will be to get men of the highest possible calibre scholars rather than pedagogues and give them the greatest possible freedom with their charges the method that is to say is inspirational the place alone is inspiring said kurt quite a success don't you think the classrooms were large heavily beamed rooms with individual table desks rugs prints and in each a great-mouthed fireplace with benches built on either side for discussions dr leffington explained smiling the commons the dormitories and all their furnishings were surprisingly beautiful and comfortable in his own study, Dr. Leffington turned to Kurt. "'Mr. Korlov tells me you're the sort of man we want on our staff here. Now I must tell you that I know very little about music. I have the average man's distrust of the usual temperamental performer, with no background and an enormous conceit. On the other hand, I want to avoid the merely pedestrian music teacher. "'Yah, ya, yeah, put in Korloff. "'These artists, they are sometimes—my God, how angry they make me!' but they can play usually. This boy—and he laid his hand affectionately on Kurt's shoulder—is not like that, no. Both Leffington and Kurt laughed at the maestro's clumsy compliment. Your job here, as I see it, would be to teach harmony to those who are inclined, and to encourage all amateur creative talent, whether for composition or performing. The usual horrors, glee clubs and such things, will have to leave to the will of the boys— and to you. My idea, too, would be to inaugurate an informal course in music history and appreciation, which would be interesting enough to draw in most of the school. I'm going to be successful, I think, in getting $5,000 this year for a concert fund, in which case you would act as impresario. Your salary would be 2000 plus your living. The masters will eat in commons with the boys, but you would have your own digs, study and shower, And I'll see that there's a piano in yours if you come. What do you say?" I say, yes, emphatically. It sounds interesting, more than interesting, he hastened to add. I'm sure I shall be happy here. Good," said the doctor. We'll go to the secretary's office and settle it. Kurt left Korloff at Washington Square. He turned into MacDougal Street and ran up the stairs to David, eager to tell him of the new job. He tapped on the door a tattoo, rapid and broken, as a Gershwin rhythm, the words of his story rising in his throat, ready to burst forth as soon as David appeared. The door opened, and David stood in the dim light. David, he began excitedly, I've got a," Kurt, David interrupted him, I've—I've done a dreadful thing. He shut the door and leaned against it. Kurt saw then the whiteness of his face and noted the strained nervousness in his voice. He was in evening clothes, and his face was white as his shirt front. Kurt's own excitement was forgotten in his concern for David. What is it? Come here. His voice was high-pitched, hysterical. He drew Kurt to the bed and seated him, and then, lying down, put his head in Kurt's lap, his arm flung across his eyes. I've broken with Ozzie. You've... David, why? That's nothing to worry about. It's the best news I've had since I've landed. I'm so awfully glad, kid. I hoped you'd do it of your own accord, and soon... Oh, but I didn't do it bravely, Kurt. There was a scene, and I acted like a fool. I only just got back in the house, and I'm... I'm not quite myself yet. What happened? Do you want to tell me? Yes, yes, let me. He sent me a wire this afternoon, saying he was in town for the night, and asking me to meet him for dinner. I didn't know what to do. I'd been worrying about it, anyway, more since you came." His hand sought Kurt's and held it fiercely. "'I love you so. I knew there would have to be an end with Ozzie. But you didn't know—but didn't know how—how to do it. Oh, this must sound strange to you, Kurt, but I'm an awful coward. Ozzie's been good to me in his way. He's given me clothes and money. He's—he's kept me. He's fond of me, I guess. At least he's never stuck to any of the others like this. I didn't know what to say to him. You were always in the background watching, and I was self-conscious and strange, I suppose, when I met him. He's so damn suave and can be so superior and so sneering. David turned his body so he could look more squarely into Kurt's face leaning above him. It kept up all through dinner. Suppose you've got a new lover, he said. Suppose he's innocent and fine and all the rest of it. I suppose you're going to go platonic again. And then he began reminding me of all the thousand things I've tried so hard to forget, Kurt, he said solemnly. I've got the worst temper a person ever had. Kurt laughed incredulously. You don't believe it, but it's so. Don't ever, ever get me into such a state. I'm like a lunatic, Kurt, really I am. Something floods up in me like a red-hot mist, and if I were stronger I suppose I'd be dangerous. Once when I was just a little kid, traveling with my mother, the train stopped somewhere. Luca, I think it was. I got angry at something and lay on the track, and screamed and tore my clothes. They had to pry me loose before the train could go on. I've always had him, he said. Well, what happened? Ozzy should have known better, but he teased me until I was blind with anger. Oh, I don't know what I said. I told him I was through, told him I did have another lover, I I tipped the table over and ran out and took a taxi here." He hid his face in Kurt's lap, and Kurt could feel his whole body taut and trembling, like a violin string stretched to the point of breaking. "'Why couldn't I have done it decently? I always feel so, so strong, so swept along when I have a tantrum like that. And then when it's all over, I see I've been so weak and childish that I hate myself.' "'Don't do that,' urged Kurt. Maybe it wasn't done just as you'd like, but it's done, and I'm glad. And he held David's tense body close to him. The minutes passed slowly. A thin streak of light from somewhere outside penetrated the curtain and fell obliquely across the small statuette, touching it to a weird lightness in the room. Don't leave me this summer, Kurt, whispered David. I I don't know what to do without you. Must you go? And then... What... What if you shouldn't come back? Kurt held him closer and told him of the afternoon's interview. A boys' school, you say? Yes, a prep school. I don't know whether I like that or not. Kurt laughed. Don't worry. I'm not interested in seducing adolescents. Or adept. I'm interested in you. Remember what you said? It's you and me now. It's got to be. And it has got to be, David. That's all there is to say all that needs saying. You've no need to worry. I'm older than you, by two years, and my slate's pretty clean, isn't it? Yes, Kurt, I wish mine were as clean. It's pretty well chalked up," he said ruefully. It doesn't matter. One break in the armor is as sure a sign it's not spear-proof as twenty. I thought until you came along that I was, how shall we say it, a strict monogamist. You caused me a great deal of grief, David, then, when I felt dairy slipping away from me to you I never thought then that this could happen to me but it has so I've had to find a new justification for myself what justification is there but love none dear none only the old one that so long as love is requited the lover must ask nothing more when it's not he may go seeking so it's up to us both again they were quiet David again spoke first. I don't know what I shall do this summer. I'll have to get a job of some sort. Kurt knew he was thinking of Ozzie's checks. You won't go back to Ozzie. Kurt, no. He'll hate me after this. I, I want him to. It must have been a pretty scene. He laughed bitterly. You care? No, only I'm ashamed it couldn't have been done more decently. I'm glad, so long as I have you. Well, that's that, then. Summer's not long. In the fall, something will turn up. I'll have money. Maybe you can live near Brookway and work at your book. Something's got to happen, dear. Don't worry. No, please don't. I'll have to leave tomorrow. Let's not think of anything unpleasant tonight. It's you and me now, he whispered. It's got to be. End of Part Four, Chapter Three